are reading the book of John. Now we've already come quite a way. We're all the way up to chapter 12. Remember the book of John is written by the disciple whom Jesus loved. So Jesus, um, it's many people believe John was a teenager. He was young, you know, and it's the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's such a beautiful thing to have that title. And John was the only disciple to live to be a ripe old age. The rest died in brutal ways <laughs> along the way somewhere. So John chapter 12 is where we're at. We're going to see Jesus from his perspective. Because he's the disciple whom Jesus loved, John gives a great perspective of our Lord from both a man as a man and as God. So it, it is just a brilliant combination of the two in the book of John. So if you have your Bible, you can open to John chapter 12. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version today. John chapter 12, verse 1. So six days before the Passover feast, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had died and whom he had raised from the dead. So they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was the one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of ointment of pure liquid, um, pure liquid nard, a rare perfume that was very expensive, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. And the whole house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. But Judas, Iscariot, the one of the disciples who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? That's a whole year's wage for ordinary workmen. And that money given to the poor. Now he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having the bag, the money box, the purse of the twelve, he took for himself what was put into it, pilfering the collections. Wow, that is some insight from John. Look at that. Um, we, we often see this scene from the other perspective. It's, it's recounted in some of the other Gospels. But here, John actually tells us what is going on in the heart. He reveals why Judas was upset at what Mary was doing. Verse 7, John chapter 12. But Jesus said, let her alone. It was intended that she should keep it for the time of my preparation for my burial. She has kept it that she might have it for the time of my embalming. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Verse 9. Now a great crowd of Jews heard that he was in Bethany, and they came there, not only because of Jesus, but also that they might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also. But on the account of him... Many of the Jews were going away, were withdrawing and leaving the Judeans and believing and adhering to Jesus. Verse 12. The next day, a vast crowd of those who had come to the Passover feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches and palm trees and went out to meet him. And as they went, they kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he, and praise him who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus, having found a young donkey, rode upon it, just as it was written in the scriptures. 
Do not fear, O daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand and could not comprehend the meaning of these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified and exalted, they remembered these things that, that had been written about him and had been done to him. I do want to make a note here. There's a reason why Jesus came riding on a donkey. In other accounts, we seem, see that he came in and then he went to the temple and then he found nobody there and he left. You see, he came in to the temple looking to be greeted as the king, to be accepted as Israel's leader. But no one was there to greet him. And so he left. And in a few days, he would leave the earth entirely. So let's continue. It's, it's also interesting to note that, look, they are welcoming him and hailing him as a king. That's what you did in those days to welcome and honor an uh, entering hero or a king. They put palm branches down because it was a dirt street, dusty. And by putting the branches down, it kept the, the um, dirt down. And so when they rode through, you know, there wasn't a big cloud of dirt. So look how they're treating Jesus. Just a few days, they're going to call for his execution. He's going to be executed and alone. So let's continue reading. And we'll go to verse 17. The group that had been with Jesus when he, when he had called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from among the dead, kept telling it, bearing witness to it, to others. It was for this reason that the crowd went out to meet him. Because they had heard that he had performed this sign, this proof, this miracle. Then the Pharisees said among themselves, See how futile your efforts are and how you accomplish nothing. See, the whole world is running after him. Now those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. And these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and they made this request, Sir, we desire, we desire to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip together went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and exalted. I assure you, I most solemnly tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It never becomes more, but lives by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. Verse 25. Anyone who loves his life loses it, but anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Whoever has no love or concern or no regard for his life on earth but despises it preserves his life forever and ever. That's how the Amplified interprets this verse. Now, I have to tell you, I really sympathize with this verse. Do you? Do you? All my life, I have never understood how man can be so cruel. I, there's so many things in the world that are so wrong. You know, it's like all my life I've, I've thought, gosh, what kind of place is this? You know, why? Why do people have to be so horrible? And I've never really understood it you know I've never understood how they could do this how they could be this way and so it's always been very challenging for me to 
understand where things are coming from. Certain sense of senses of humor, lots of entertainment. Oh gosh, you know, I'm, I have just felt that way. And I, and I have no great love for this world. I am looking forward to the day. You know, I'm looking forward only to the day when I am in heaven. So many of you have heard me probably talk in the Agape meeting. And um, if you're going through the Revelation series, you'll see some of the things I say. And, and Amy laughs at it. And, and uh, others, you know, it's just the way I look at things to... I really sympathize with Paul to die is gain, but I live on only for him to do his work. I hope you have that feeling too, that you're ready whenever he calls to do whatever he says. Okay, let's continue on. Just wanted to let you know that that verse always impacts my heart. Because it makes me feel like I'm understood by someone, you know, that there's someone in this world or some, there was someone in this world who understands. Okay, verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must continue to follow me. That means to cleave to steadfastly to him, to confirm wholly to my example and my living, if need be in dying. And wherever I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. Now my soul is troubled and distressed. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour of trial and agony. But it was for this purpose that I've come to this hour that I might be undergoing it. Rather, I will say, Father, glorify, honor, and extol your own name. Then there came a voice out of heaven saying, I have already glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd of bystanders heard the sound and said, it thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has not come for my sake, but for yours. We just talked about this verse. I think it was last week. Um, or maybe the last two weeks in our series. And now you see it in the full context. You see, Jesus was submitting to the will of the Father. He was also telling us what we must do to be his true follower, right? And that the fact that some say it thundered, some heard a voice, some thought it was an angel, this shows that when God speaks, even when he speaks audibly on this earth, those who don't know him don't understand what it's saying. They just hear thundering. But those who know God actually heard a voice. And that's seen in the book of Revelation. We applied this, book, this verse there. We'll continue on. Oh, chat, uh, verse 31. Now the judgment crisis of this world is coming on. Sentence is now being passed on this world. Now the ruler of this world shall be cast out, expelled. And I, if and when I am lifted up from the earth on the cross, will draw and attract all men, Jews as well as Gentiles, or Gentiles as well as Jews, to myself. He said this to signify in what manner he would die. At this, the people answered him, We have learned from the law that the Christ is to remain forever. 
How then can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up on the cross? Who is the Son of Man? Jesus said that to them, You will have the light only a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Keep on living by it, so the darkness might not overtake you and overcome you. He who walks about in the dark does not know where he goes. But while you have the light, believe in the light. Have faith in it. Hold on to it and rely on it, that you may become sons of the light, may be filled with the light. Jesus said these things, and then he went away and hid himself from them. So he was lost from their view. This is also a very good example of the mindset of the Jews, right? Those who were expecting the Messiah. They were expecting somebody who would come and live with him forever. Now we know when that time will come. It comes after um, Jesus returns, his second coming. Revelation tells us that. And even though he has left this world, he still remains because his spirit remains here with us. So let's continue and we'll see that the Lord explains this, tries to explain this to his disciples. Okay. Verse 37. Even though he had done so many miracles before them, right before their eyes, yet they still did not trust in him and they failed to believe in him. So that what, does, what Isaiah the prophet said was fulfilled. Lord, who has believed our report and our message? And to whom has the arm, the power of the Lord, been shown and veiled and revealed? Therefore they could not believe. They were unable to believe. For Isaiah had also said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened and benumbed their hearts. He's made their minds dull. To keep them from seeing with their eyes and understanding with their hearts and minds and repenting and turning to me to heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw his glory and spoke of him. And yet, in spite of all this, many, even the leading men, the authorities, and the nobles, believed and trusted in him. Because the Pharisees, they did not confess it, for fear that if they should acknowledge him, they would be expelled from the synagogue. For they loved the approval and the praise and the glory that came from men, um, men more than the glory that comes from God. They valued the credit with men more than their credit with God. Look at that. It actually, John, John doesn't pull any punches. John just really lays it all out. He says, oh, this is why. This is why the Pharisees, this is why the leaders didn't acknowledge Jesus. They loved their place. They loved the attention they were getting. They didn't want to share. They didn't want to give it over the, to the Lord. And so they didn't speak up. Verse 44. But when Jesus loudly declared, The one who believes in me does not only believe in me and trust in and rely on me, but on him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him also who sent me. 46. I have come as a light into the world, so that whoever believes in me, whoever cleaves to and trusts and relies on me, and it may not continue to live in darkness. If anyone hears my teachings and fails to observe them, does not keep them, but disregards them, it is not I who judge it, judges him. For I have not come to judge and to condemn and to pass sentence and to inflict penalty on the world, but to save the world. Anyone who rejects me 
and persistently sets me to naught, refusing to accept my teachings, has his judge. For the very message I have spoken will itself judge and convict him on the last day. This is because I have never spoken on my own authority, on, of my own accord or self-appointed. But the Father who sent me has himself given me orders concerning what to say and what to tell. And I know what his commandment is. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. So whatever I speak, I am saying exactly what my Father has told me to say in accordance with his instructions. That is the end of chapter 12. Very long. It's 50 verses. And you notice the Lord didn't do anything that his father didn't explicitly tell him to do. He didn't do it on his own. He didn't decide who to heal. He didn't decide what to say. He waited for instructions from his father. That is the beauty. That is how we should be walking. We should be listening to the Father, saying what he tells us to say, speaking what he tells us to speak. Boy, have I learned that lesson. <laughs> you know, there's the free book, Angels Believe in You, on our website, and it talks about my journey. And one of the first things the Holy Spirit did was teach me how if I listened to his voice, things went well. If I didn't listen to his voice, it wound up in a mess. Okay, time for some more water. We'll put that down and grab the water. Okay, so let's go ahead and see John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the Passover feast began, Jesus knew he was fully aware that the time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. And as he had loved those who were his own in this world, he loved them to the last and to the highest degree. So it was during the supper, Satan, having already put the thought of betraying Jesus into the heart of Jesus Iscariot, Simon's son, that Jesus, knowing fully aware that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was now returning to God, got up from supper and took off his garments, and taking a servant's towel, he fastened it around his waist. He, then he poured water into the wash basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the servant's towel, with which he was girded. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, my feet are to be washed by you? Is it for you to wash my feet? Jesus said to him, you do not understand now what I am doing, but you will understand later on. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. You have no share in companionship with me. Peter said to him, Lord, wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head too. Jesus said to him, Anyone who has bathed needs only to wash his feet but is clean all over, and you, my disciples, are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was the reason he said, for not all of you are clean. So remember, back in these days, when, when this was going on, people walked everywhere, and they walked in sandals. 
So could you imagine walking through streets where animals had defecated, you know, they were, they were dirty, dirt everywhere, walking everywhere you went. Could you imagine how dirty your feet would become? So wash, washing somebody's feet was truly a humbling and a not very fun job, right? And so it was like the lowest of the low. It was the ultimate way to show somebody love. This is, I believe, why the anointing oil was placed on his feet, you know, because it was hmm, the bottom, right? It was the most disgusting part, then she was, and she was anointing it. And you notice he said that all of you is clean because you've already bathed, but your feet, and metaphorically speaking, our feet represent our walk. And so Jesus was literally, um, you know, and metaphorically washing their walk. It's a beautiful picture when he does this. So verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet and had put on his garments and had sat down, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher, master, and the Lord, and you are right in doing so, for that is what I am. If then your Lord, your teacher, your master, has washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. It is your duty, your obligation, and you owe it. Verse 15. I have given you this as an example, so that you should do it in your turn, what I have done to you. I assure you, I most solemnly tell you, a servant is not greater than his master. No one who is sent is superior to the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed and happy to be envied are you if you practice them, if you act accordingly and rely to do and really do them. I am not speaking of and do not mean all, all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but it is that the scriptures may be, fu be fulfilled. He who eats my bread with me is raised up his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does t take place, you may be persuaded and believe that I am he, who I say I am, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Verse 20. I assure you, I most sol solemnly tell you, he who receives and welcomes and takes into his heart any messenger of mine receives me in just that way. And he who receives and welcomes and takes me into his heart receives him who sent me in the same way. After Jesus had said these things, he was troubled. He was disturbed and agitated in his spirit and said, I assure you, I most solemnly tell you, tell you one of you will deliver me up. You, one of you will be false to me and betray me. The disciples kept looking at one another, puzzled as to whom he could mean. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, that would be John, was reclining next to him on Jesus' bosom. So Peter, so Simon Peter motioned to him and asked of him whom he was speaking. Then leaning back against Jesus' breast, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered him, It is the one to whom I am going to give this morsel, this bit of food, after I have dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel of bread into the dish, he gave it to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son. Iscariot's, Iscariot's son. Verse 27. 
Then after he had taken the bit of food, Satan, Satan entered into and took possession of Judas. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do it more swiftly than you seem to intend, and make it quick work of it. But nobody reclining at the table knew why he spoke to him, or what he meant by telling him this. Some thought that since Judas had the money box, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the bit of bread, he went out immediately, and it was night. When he left, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. Now he has achieved his glory, his honor, his exaltation, and God has been glorified through him. And if God is glorified through him, God will also glorify him in himself, and he will glorify him at once and not delay. Have you ever considered, as I do just now, that the, Satan didn't come into Judas until Jesus identified him as the one who would betray him? It's almost like Jesus had to give permission for the betrayal to happen. Remember, Jesus was free of sin. And so because he did not have any sin, Satan had no legal right to attack him. So he had to verbally give permission that this would take place, that his betrayal would happen. Only then after that did Satan, did Satan enter Judas and he go off to betray him. Verse 33. Dear little children, I am to be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now, you are not able to come where I'm going. I give you a new commandment, that you should love one another, just as I have loved you, so you too should love one another. By this shall all man know that you are my disciples, if you love one another, if you keep on showing love among yourselves. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, You are not able to follow me now where I am going, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Verse 38, Jesus answered him, Will you really lay down your life for me? I assure you, I most solemnly tell you, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. To deny me means to completely disown me. That is the famous verse. You will deny me before the rooster crows three times. Now, the, he said this after sunset. Night had come. So that wasn't a very long time. You know, that was 12 hours. Within 12 hours, Peter would deny him three times. So let's continue on. We'll read one more chapter. John chapter 14 verse 1 Do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in and hear to and trust in and rely on God believe in and hear to and trust in and rely on me also in my father's house there are many dwelling places if it were not so i would have told you for i am going away to prepare a place for you and when, if, I go to make ready a place for you, I will come back again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And to the place where I am going, 
you know the way. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, so we're going to pause really briefly right here. <laughs> this is one of my favorite verses. Um, it wasn't, huh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit told me when somebody quoted this, um, he told me to go look it up and he related it to the very last prayer that Jesus prayed where he said, I pray for these. And it's the longest prayer ever recorded of the Lord. He said, I prayed not only for these, but for those who would, you know, believe on their words. I asked father that they be with me where I am. So I, they may see my glory. Well, if you combine that with this one, he goes to prepare a place for us and he will bring him and he is the way, the truth and the life. This is where we come into information about the secret place. This many mansions in God's house, right, are is referred to as the secret place. It's a private place within God prepared for us by the Lord so that he can interact with us. He can bring us there and reveal his glory to us. It's a beautiful place that the Lord has designed for all of his disciples. Now, in the rest of this chapter, we have seen what it takes to be his disciples, that not everyone was willing, that you had to really rely and trust on, depend upon the Lord. And we see all these wonderful things. And now we see that he's prepared a place for him, that he's going to go away, but he's going to bring us there as well. In that final prayer, why would Jesus say, I want you to be with me where I am so you can see my glory if we're just going to wind up there when we die. You know, he's not talking about when we die. He's talking about in this life. Okay, so let's continue on. Verse 7. If you had known me, had learned to recognize me, you would have also known my father. From now on, you will know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. Cause us to see the Father. That is all we ask. Then we shall be satisfied. Jesus replied, I have been with you all for such a long time. And do you not recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? What I am telling you I do not say on my own or my own authority and of my own accord. But the Father who lives continually in me does his own works and his own miracles and deeds of power. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. If you cannot trust in me, very, at least trust in the works that I do in my Father's name. Let them convince you. Verse 12, I assure you, I most solemnly tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he himself will be able to do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these, because I go to the Father. Verse 13, and I will do, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name, as presenting all that I am, so that the Father may be glorified and extolled through the Son. Yes, I will grant I, will, I myself will do for you whatever you ask in my name. That means as presenting all that I am. The word I am 
is, in, is capitalized, right? Meaning it's the name of God. So when, when he says my name, he says, as in presenting God himself. So when you, this is what he does. These are the things that he answers and, and he does for us. When we ask in his name, it means we have to ask presenting all that God is. What we ask must be in agreement with who God is. Verse 15. If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener, and a standby, that he may remain with you forever. It is this verse that we get all the names of the Holy Spirit. We call him our comforter, our helper, our intercessor, our advocate. I also call him friend. Verse 17. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, he cannot welcome it into his heart, because it does not know him or see him or know how to recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, and helpless. I will come back to you just a little while now, and the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. At that time, when the day comes, you will know for yourself that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. 21. The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me, and whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him, and I will show and reveal myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Judas, not Iscariot, asked him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself, make yourself real to us and not in this world? Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word, he will obey my teachings. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode, our special dwelling place, with him. That is more talk about the secret place. You see, he's saying we will come and we will abide with him. We'll make ourselves real to him. We will appear to him. Sometimes, hmm, depending on our destiny, what the Lord has designed us for, um, the I think the the visits with the Lord may may be more or maybe less. Remember, to whom much is given, much is required. And that actually is a scripture. Superman didn't say it first. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> okay, verse twenty four. Anyone who does not really love me does not observe and obey my teachings. And the teachings which you hear and heed is not mine, but comes from the Father who sent me. I have told you these things while I am still with you. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. He will cause you to recall 
everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives it. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Do not permit yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, and cowardly and unsettled. You've heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you really loved me, you would not you would have been glad because I'm going to the Father, and the Father is greater and mightier than I am. Now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does take place, you may believe and have faith in and rely on me. I will not talk with you much more, for the prince of this world is coming, and has he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing that belongs to him. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. But Satan is coming, and I do as the Father has commanded me, so the world may know that I have loved the Father, and that I do only what the Father instructs me to do. Rise and let us go away from here. That is the end of um, our reading today. It was a long one, yes. But I wanted to go through all of those chapters together. That's where I was feeling led by the Holy Spirit. It is interesting to see that Jesus did not his own will, but his Father's. That he didn't want to, and he was not happy about his time coming to an end. But he was willing to do it. Because it would bring the Father glory. Because it would bring all mankind unto God. It is a beautiful thing to remember what our Lord has done for us. And it's clear here that the Lord does expect something of us. I don't know if any of you had been told, Oh, you just have to believe in Jesus and all is okay, like I was. I was told that and I told many people that. I had to confess and repent because... It clearly says that we are to do what he tells us to do. It, that is what we need to be aware of, that we have a Lord, an owner, a master. And if we love him, we will do his commandments. And remember, we can't do it without him. We actually have to have his help, and he is glad to give it. 